0: Welcome to the WFMT audio stream, co-sponsored by Wintrust. With Wintrust's amazing new CD rates, you can earn even more. Go to Wintrust.com slash rates or visit one of Wintrust's more than 170 locations today. Member FDIC. We have an impromptu now on WFMT. Impromptus are supported in part by a grant from the Elizabeth F. Cheney Foundation a Chicago-based philanthropy dedicated to arts and culture, and by generous gifts for members of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. And we are in the Eleven Performance Studio this afternoon with tenor Lawrence Brownlee and pianist Craig Terry for this live impromptu. Featuring music by Benjamin Britton, Rossini, Daniel Schneider. There'll be a spiritual and probably an encore if we're all really good. Mr. Brownlee is in Chicago, thanks to Lyric Opera's ongoing production of Rossini's *Cenerentola*, which opened this past Sunday and continues through October 30th at the Civic Opera House. And if you'd like more information, and we'll give this to you later on as well, visit LyricOpera.org or call 312-827-5600. Our artists are going to open up with one of the wonderful folk song settings by Benjamin Britten, Sally Gardens. Britain created these settings as encores for him to perform with Sir Peter Pears. However, having called this particular song a folk song, I've really got to retract just a bit because we can actually trace this melody to an Irish composer by the name of Herbert Hughes who based his tune on folk material he overheard. And the text is a poem attributable to no less than William Butler Yeats. It's certainly an old story, though. It's one of uh, hasty youthful love, and sorrowful, melancholy results. By the way, Sally is not the name of a girl, but rather a reference to the weeping willow tree. And there's plenty of weeping going on in this song, especially as depicted in the piano part. Here then are Lawrence Brownlee and Craig Terry in Sally Gardens.
1: By the sally gardens my love and I did meet, she passed the Oh.
0: Kelly Gardens, the Britain setting of the song, as performed by Lawrence Brownlee and Craig Terry. And uh, I mean, as I listen to that, uh, I hear and I'm sure I'm not the first to notice this a kind of a Schubertian quality to it, um, in the sense that there's a particular expressiveness, certainly in the piano part, and an amazing melodic sensitivity in terms of the meaning of the text. You guys feel the same way? Craig? Absolutely. I mean, this is, the words are so evocative and the setting is just perfect, I think, instrumentally of what, and what the way Larry sings it makes it very easy to play in this way. Yeah, very true, very true. And of course, you've done Schubert songs as well. And yes, it's uh, one
2: of my loves. I'm a great lover of art song and uh, leader. And so, uh, of course, uh, working with this piece and other other pieces of Schubert uh, it is something that's close to my heart. So I feel it in a way that I feel that you always have to connect to the text, which makes it more alive for you. And so I definitely do, as Craig mentioned, you know, feel that the text and the setting uh, musically does put you in a place that you really feel something in this piece.
0: Yeah. Let's talk a bit about... Uh your career and how it's going, and uh, fantastically, of course. You're all over the world. Uh, But at what point did, I mean, when you were younger, um, did you really kind of um, see the light bulb go on and realize that this is what you're going to be doing?
2: (laughs) Well, some people say that you find your career by accident. Uh, It's interesting because the piece that I just performed was... Probably the first piece I ever sang in a classical manner. Ah. Uh, My voice teacher gave me this piece years ago. I think I was 18 years old. And he said, you should sing this. And I thought, it's in English. And I always thought that classical music was in another language. Uh, But he explained to me, of course, this was written in the classical style. And so, uh, yeah, when I started taking lessons at the age of 18 or 19 years old, I had a teacher that said, you know, you have something special you have a gift that you should share with the world of classical music. And so it was from there that I began on this path uh, to where I am today. That was just the beginning, but uh, a lot of things happened in between me starting there and of course being here now with you today. Uh, but uh, a lot of people that have poured into my life and really encouraged me, but they all felt that I had a gift that I should be cultivated and shared with the, uh, the world of classical music, yeah.
0: It's one thing to be a singer and be a good singer, but it's another thing to be a singing actor, <laughs> and, and and how is how does that develop? I mean,
2: it's funny because I started in high school doing show choir uh-huh. and uh, doing uh, community theater, so all of these things were important uh, as you, they wanted you to be uh, well-rounded uh, many years I worked as a singer-dancer in an amusement park in Ohio. Uh, so uh, growing up singing gospel, my musical background is varied. And so all of those styles merged together You know, have given me a palette of things that I can draw from. So being a singing actor... Uh, comes from me probably being a ham I like <laughs> to have fun and so comedic opera is is right at home for me uh, so I like to uh, to do that but yes you know all the things that've that I've done you know again from junior high school even into high school and being a show choir working in amusement parks and uh, all the things have you know equipped me to have some things hopefully to be uh, somewhat talented and more than just singing
0: I'll see <laughs> and uh, well comedic opera. That's certainly Rossini. And, yes. And uh, I don't know whether most people consider Cinderella to be comedic, but certainly in Rossini's hands, it, it there's is. a lot of comedy there.
2: It is. It's a great, it's a great uh, setting of the story, the fabled story that we know. Uh, and I always tell people that it's a great first piece a great, great first piece to come to if you've never seen opera before. Uh, so many people think, "Oh, opera is this and that," and they don't have an, they have an opinion that's probably not as informed as it could be. Uh, but I tell them, come to Cinderella; you'll understand the story. Uh, you'll see the human interaction, and you'll see all the things that happen. Of course, there's a little bit, There are a few tweaks in this story yeah. because it's not like the classic story we know. Uh, the prince has a very large part in it. Is that in that he is there from the beginning, right. so he gets a chance to be involved, and he doesn't just come at the end when there's the ball. Uh, So uh, it's a very active role that I get a chance to play. And it's a great ensemble piece that I think people leave uh, tapping the melodies. Also, I think you can have a great fun night of laughter once you see the human interaction and the jokes is written into the music. So uh, it's a fun, fun piece, and I enjoy singing it.
0: And another change from the fairy tale, as we know it, of course, is there's no glass slipper.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I heard something about that. I think I read it or someone told me but I heard at the time that the story was written for the opera, there was a law written that a woman could not have anything below her waist or her waist exposed. Uh-huh. So, of course, for the slipper idea, you couldn't do it in the opera. Right. Uh, so the slipper became a bracelet. Right. So it's now, instead of a slipper, it's a glass bracelet.
0: Which brings us to what you're going to do for us today from the opera. Yes. Because uh, I guess uh, this is the point at which... Uh, You've decided you're going to find that absolutely. that bracelet and that gal.
2: Absolutely, okay. absolutely. I'm going to win her, and I will not be discouraged. I've decided. She's told me that she loves me, and so, but but I have to find her in her place that she resides for real because she wants me to know her for who she really is, and so I'm going to find her.
0: And the the aria specifically is. It's called
2: "Si ritrovarla io giuro."
0: Good. I wanted you to say that. <laughs>
1: Si are Speranza, frido di more, dentro la mia care sta da Frido di more, dentro la mia care Dolce speranza, redondo di more, dentro
0: Giuro. Yes, I swear I will find her. Don Ramiro in La Cena of Rossini as performed there by tenor Lawrence Brownlee with pianist Craig Terry. And uh, Lawrence Brownlee is Don Ramiro in the production taking place at Lyric currently. And uh, not to be missed from what I hear, so I'd better get myself over there. <laughs> and uh, boy, what, what uh, I mean, I As I'm listening to you do that, I'm thinking to myself, what are the challenges, in particular, to doing that for a singer? I mean, just listening to it, breath control, range. But tell me from your point of view, what what it takes. Uh,
2: (laughs) Well, uh, my teachers told me earlier on that I had a voice that was suitable for bel canto music. Bel canto requires um, uh, musicality, uh, a high range, uh, which uh, my voice has always sat pretty high, mm-hmm. flexibility, uh, control, uh, nuances. So when I think of all those things, that's to me what bel canto is. And so uh, my teacher told me a long time ago, she said, you have to make sure something that sounds difficult, you have to make it sound easy. Something that we understand and know as difficult, make it sound easy. So I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of refined singers, uh, spend a lot of time listening on YouTube, and people that really phrase and shape their uh, their passages, uh, they think them out. Everything is uh, thought out, well thought out, and it's it sounds. Uh, I hope that it sounds improvised, but it's uh, it should sound as if uh, that it really just came out of your soul in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. So, with me always trying to shape it to be an artist. Uh, to, to make it sound like it is it is something that is a bit higher class. Of course, in this, I'm playing the role of a prince, and so it should come off my, uh, my tongue or uh, from my body, my thinking, uh, very well put together. And so that's always what I think. Uh, I know that it's difficult because I feel it, and I'm working as I sing, but uh, trying to be in control of what's happening so that it does, again, sound somewhat refined.
0: Are there particular artists who have done this in the past that you find yourself admiring?
2: Oh, I have so many people that I admire, you know, great singers that, you know, maybe not necessarily from the bel canto uh, genre, but uh, singers. I mean, when people ask me, what got you into classical music? uh, It was Pavarotti was the first one that I was uh, crazy about him. Uh Uh, Of course, after that, you know, getting a great education and learning about so many other singers, but specifically in the bel canto uh, realm, Rockwell Blake Great, uh, great right. fan of his. Yeah. Uh, Alfredo Krauss, uh, who was not necessarily a bel canto singer, right. but I love Alfredo Krauss because I just thought he was a graceful singer. And the thing I love about Alfredo Krauss more than anything else, I was born on the same day. Oh. November 24th. <laughs> he was born in 1927, but I was born a little later than that. <laughs> uh, but singers of class and grace, Ellie Omling, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Lily Pons, people that I think just are real uh, music makers. Uh, Uh, Janet Baker. She said she always wanted to be in the service of the music and take herself out of the equation. So uh, these are people that are true artists, and that's uh, the people that I try to emulate in my singing.
0: Great. You mentioned your soul, and we're going to hear something certainly relating very directly (laughs) to that right now. And um, the idea of of doing, um, you know, spirituals is is something that you know well, and for Mm -hmm. a long, long time, many, many great artists have turn to spirituals, Mm -hmm. but your approach is a little different.
2: Yes, it is. Uh, Obviously, you know, myself being an African-American man, a singer, uh, I think there's a great responsibility to carry on the traditions. Of course, uh, I grew up in church uh, singing this music, uh, you know, living with this, and it's something of my, you know, it's the music of my ancestors, so it's very close to my heart. Uh, You know, after I established myself as a Rossini singer, a bel canto singer, I felt like it was a time that I could Uh, you know, do this. And my friend, uh, the great uh, composer, Damien Sneed, Damien, he and I got together and we said, you know, we want to put these together, not necessarily in the way that people know them, uh, but to put together all of our, the collective things that we've learned over the years. I've studied classical and jazz and and pop and gospel. And so these are uh, merging together all those styles uh, to present this music in a different way. Uh, But it is definitely still, you know, my heritage and where, you know, what part of me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear this now. We're going to hear Come By Here. Yes, Come By From here. the CD. Yes. And, uh, well, let's go for it right now. <laughs>
1: by this praying Lord to come by
0: by here, The Spiritual, arranged by Damien Sneed, and performed by tenor Lawrence Brownlee with pianist Craig Terry. And both of them are here live this afternoon for this impromptu, and uh, Mr. Brownlee is appearing in Cenerentola at Lyric Opera of Chicago. And uh, I mean, I think that was quite wonderful. Oh, thank you. Uh, (laughs) uh,
2: Craig was the best part of that. Whoa, he was... Not (laughs) a chance. I thought he was about to fly up that seat. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Go! <laughs>
0: and, I, and what I love so much about it is, as you mentioned, the tradition is there, but also, you know, there, there are plenty of jazz elements going on Absolutely. there, updating it, and it's Absolutely. just a great arrangement.
2: Yeah, well, it's just, you know, we're taking the pieces of what, you know, the bones or, you know, the, the real, the meat, actually, of our heritage and putting it into 2015 right. or uh, current day. But I think it's music. Of course, the message is there, but I think it's it's just... Uh, put in a different context, and uh, people have really responded well thus far to it. And so I'm, you know, definitely grateful to Damien, who's a fantastic arranger. He does a lot of different things, but uh, these pieces have been uh, very successful, and it's large part in large part to his, his writing and composing.
0: Yeah, great stuff. And speaking of jazz, yes, uh, Yardbird, the yes. opera that you did for Opera Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about, you know, Charlie Parker, of Absolutely. course, and uh, I mean the great bebop. And a reed man, mm-hmm. and a very complicated life. Yes. How does one tell that story?
2: You know, it was a great education for me. I knew who Charlie Parker was. Of course, this is an an iconic figure who's had such an important print, an indelible print on our music heritage as a country as a you know the world of music has learned so much from Charlie Parker uh, but a lot of people don't know about his hardship and he endured a lot mm-hmm. a lot of hardship and when he died I think he was 35 either 34 or 35 Something years like that. old yeah uh, but they said the coroner said his body looked like he it was that of a 60 year old it was ravaged uh, you know his yeah. body had been used up and so uh, he had a harsh a hard life growing up in the south in Kansas City and of course dealing with of course, addiction. Uh, There were so many things that went wrong in his life, but uh, what we still enjoy today, the music, the legacy of Charlie Parker is so important, I think, uh, for the world of music. So for me, it was a great honor. Of course, again, being an African-American man, uh, playing the role of such an important figure uh, was very humbling for me and, and a lot of growth and learning from that experience. So I enjoyed it a great deal.
0: Did you by any chance get to read any of Stanley Crouch's? I did. I oh, did yeah.
2: read read a lot. Of, uh, read. I didn't read the whole book, but I actually yeah. sat down and I was talking to um, the composer and the librettist Bridget Rimbley, right. about it, and we actually looked at passages and t- talked about you know things uh, that you understand about his life. He would practice 14 to 15 hours a day. uh, You know, when they would talk about the fact that when he would work with Dizzy Gillespie, that he would go over uh, to Dizzy's house and not be able to go inside because his wife didn't. Dizzy's wife didn't want Charlie Parker there, and how they would work out things outside the door, and yeah. so many different things about you know a hard life. But music was in him, and he was a fountain of music. And of course, you see it today, and people are still, of course, paying homage to him because it's it's a strong imprint that he has left us with.
0: Right. Well, Crouch is saying that it's going to take him three volumes to tell the story <laughs> of, of of Charlie's life. Um, how do they do it in one opera?
2: We scratched the surface, and I think we you know, we, tr- we tried to take from many of the important moments of his life uh, some of the people of his life, uh, of course his mother uh, he was married several times uh, he had some some bad things happen to him, for example, the loss of his, his his daughter she died, of course he had the accidents, the drug addiction you know when people think about Charlie Parker, they think about just the drug addictions. Yep, mm-hmm. Uh, but so many hardships that he dealt with. He was in a mental institution and, and so many other things, too. So what we did is scratch the surface. But I think we left people wanting to go and find out more about Charlie Parker. And I think from the from the outset, that was the goal. to So people would go and really understand and search uh, about the life of Charlie Parker.
0: Is the opera going to have a life beyond... Opera, yes. Uh,
2: the goal is now. There's already talk that it will be produced in other places, and Great. so uh, I'm very happy to be a part of that. That that will be coming up. We haven't necessarily nailed it down, but there are very strong talks in the work that we will we will pre- be presenting this piece in uh, various cities. Mm-hmm.
0: What are you going to sing for us from it?
2: I'm going to sing the first aria from uh, Charlie Parker. It's called "What a Night." Uh, and this is supposed to be where he's in this kind of purgatory. He enters into uh, Birdland, the place that has been named after him, and he is somewhat in a ghost um, presence or purgatory state. Uh, but he talks about like not believing that he'd be there again. But this is the start of the journey that we tell the opera uh, in the opera, and so it's the the signature piece. Okay. Yes.
0: Lawrence Brownlee and Craig Terry, what a night from the opera Yardbird.
1: What a bad night, what a sight for eyes, Birdland, birdland, they kicked me out of this joint. But like they say, Tsunami a secret a secret this ornithology is between us my birds nobody can know that i am here Sometimes
0: music from the opera Yardbird. Daniel Schneider wrote the music, the libretto by Bridget A. Wimberly, and uh, the performance there of What a Night, Birdland, by Lawrence Brownlee and Craig Terry. I certainly hope that opera has legs. <laughs> I really do. I want to hear more.
2: Thank you. It's uh, It was received well and uh, a great cast. Uh, Angela Brown was fantastic in that. A young baritone, Will Liverman. Uh, really some wonderful performances. And uh, the critics uh, were very positive about the, the opera. So we do hope that it will have some legs yeah. and be around for a while.
0: Well, now, I want to thank you very much for coming in, and Craig as well. But um, I understand you may have an encore for it yes <laughs> <Right>.
2: <laughs> i do i would like to offer something well i'm a big fan of all music i i said that before and so uh one of the guys i really loved was nat king cole oh yeah uh so many singers and so one of his signature pieces is unforgettable and so uh it's a piece that i've recently picked up and been toying with and so craig and i uh this is actually i think the first time that it'll ever be performed by me so it's uh Impromptu. Impromptu. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yes, yeah, so unforgettable. All right. Yes.
1: Unforgettable. That's what you Unforgettable, though near or far, like a dream that clings close to me, the thought of you does things to me. That someone so unforgettable thinks that I. forgettable
0: The Nat King Cole song, Unforgettable, written by Irving Gordon, from 1951. And uh, sung here by Lawrence Brownlee with pianist Craig Terry. You make it your own. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's an <laughs> iconic song, and it's yours.
2: <laughs> Nicely done. Both you can of always you. go better. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, what, when we do a tribute to anyone, it, the goal is never to copy them. Right. Uh, but to really, you know... To give your own take on it, I think I think that's built in the artistic license to have fun with it. But uh, the music, for me, I love it, and so I I think uh, I just want to express it in the way I feel it, and so I enjoy the piece. And so it comes through. Thank you, Craig. Oh, you're through. awesome. Thank you. <laughs>
0: and and might, might I also say that the two of you work beautifully together. And uh, well, you ought to take the show on the road. got to take the show point. on the road. <laughs> you really should. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end. Reluctantly. Uh, To this live impromptu with tenor Lawrence Brownlee and pianist Craig Terry, you can see Mr. Brownlee as Don Ramiro in Lyric Opera of Chicago's acclaimed production of Rossini's *Cenerentola* at the Civic Opera House through October 30th. Tickets and information can be gotten easily at lyricopera.org or by calling 312-827-5600. And our thanks again to these great musicians for coming by and being with us today. Thanks also to our music producer, Chris Willis, and to the producer of Impromptu, Louise Frank. These impromptus on WFMT are supported in part by a grant from the Elizabeth F. Cheney Foundation, a Chicago-based philanthropy dedicated to arts and culture, and by generous gifts from members of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. If you enjoyed this live performance, Please become a sustaining member today. Ongoing monthly contributions are one of the most effective ways to support the station. It's quick and easy. Become a sustaining member now by pledging online at WFMT.com. This is WFMT Chicago, 98.7 FM, HD1, and WFMT.com.